Hey, hey, it is Friday. It is time for Friday Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I deconstruct my journey, my struggles through professional baseball to help unpack yours so you can live a life on purpose. I take the lessons I learned in baseball and help you apply them in business and in life. So if you're ready to join me, grab your glove, grab a ball, get ready to take the mound, and get ready to bear down to strike out the limiting beliefs in your life. All right, here we go. All right, welcome back to Bullpen Sessions. I am excited on this one. I've got a gentleman who I admire. Um, Mike Ayala is an investor, speaker, podcaster, and founder of Investing for Freedom. Mike helps busy professionals and business owners find the true freedom to live their best life. He's also the co-founder of Four Peaks Capital Partners. His scope includes operations, management teams, development, and chief people officer. He also co-directs the overall investment strategy along with Andrew Lenoy. I hope I said that right. Mike has over 22 years of experience finding freedom by building teams and streamlining operations. By age 24, Mike founded his first construction company and has been involved with over 2,000 projects totaling over $1 billion, including hospitals, courthouses, federal buildings, casinos, mills, gold processing uh, processing facilities, civil projects, multifamily homes, and shopping centers. Of the companies he started, most notable is the construction company that scaled quickly to more than 100 employees and sold at at a $12 million valuation, making it onto the Inc., 2009 2500 fastest growing companies in america's list mike that's quite a resume man welcome aboard well thanks for having me man i'm excited about it it's gonna be fun yeah no i uh i shared with i shared this with you offline um something i admire about you is knowing you have your hands in so many things uh it's easy for people to get that would be in that position to be overwhelmed but with you I think, you know, when, when I m- watched you, you just always look so calm no matter what's going on. And that that's something I really admire because I'm trying to improve that area in, uh, in my own life. But today I want to talk about money to you, Mike. Investing for Freedom. You've got the podcast, Investing mm-hmm. for Freedom. If you're not listening to that, you need to go and start doing that. But before we get into some concepts and principles, Mike, of investing in your freedom, for the audience who has never heard of Mike Ayala. Why don't we use this time to share your story a little bit, share your background? Yeah, well, the first thing, um, I've been married for 22 years to Kara. Um, We got married, gosh, I was 19. She was 18 when we got married. So yeah, we were pretty young and started having kids almost immediately. So Dylan, our oldest is 21, uh, Tim's 19 and Kate's 17. And, you know, I, I don't know how much you and I've talked about this, Andy, but I'll just share this real quick. Well, actually I shared it at the event that we were at, but, um, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that we can learn as much from the poor examples in our life as the bad examples. So I grew up, you know, in a, in a broken home. My dad was a, a disaster which I won't really get into, but, you know, he showed me all the things that I didn't want growing up. And then, you know, my mom was a saint. She still is. She's great. Um, and, you know, she ended up marrying my stepdad and really they were doing the best they could, but they were never present. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the things that um, I really took away from my childhood was that I wanted, I, I'll never forget. Um, in fact, uh, my, my wife's family was an example of this. Every time I would go to her house um, in, in high school, her mom was always home. Like her mom was always there. They were always having dinner together. And those are the kind of things that I was missing in life. And so uh, to make a long story short, when Karen and I were young, you know, we were always dreaming about the life that we wanted and the way we wanted it to look. And 
um, you know, I wanted to be the dad that was always present. I wanted to go to the games. I wanted to, you know, never miss anything. And, and, um, you know, at the age of 22, basically 23, uh, during that time period, I found myself working out of town. I was a, um, a young plumber, but I was, you know, running this construction project, um, out of town working literally 90 hours minimum, but some, some weeks I was working 110 hours a week. I would literally, um, on Sunday night, we'd finish up, we'd drive home, hour and a half, two hours away, I'd wash my clothes, have a cold dinner, and then go back to work at 3 a.m. Um, the next day. And so this was while Kara was pregnant with our third child. And I'm just missing this entire, you know, pregnancy. I'm, I'm not around my two little boys as they're growing up. And, and I remember like uh, Karen and I having this comment, like this isn't what we signed up for. This isn't what we wanted. And so we kind of took the leap and obviously it didn't happen just like that, but we took the leap and started our own company at the age of 24. Um, and that was just a crazy ride, man. Some of it was luck. Some of it was timing, but also I was so young and didn't know anything about running business. I mean, literally I was a plumber coming out of the field and I knew how to manage people and inspire people and that kind of stuff, but I didn't know anything about running a business. And so at every step I was hiring consultants and, and just coaches and trying to figure things out. And as you said, in the bio, you know, we ended up on the Inc fastest growing companies in America in 2009, which was, you know, four and a half, five years later. Um, every single year we're just doubling revenue. We're doubling employees. And, and, you know, I, man, I was like, I was holding on for dear life. I, I literally, uh, and I, I, I attribute so much of my success and I would always encourage people. Like I was just a student. I was always looking for who was doing it best. And so I'll kind of, you know, taper off there, but really, um, that was kind of like the, the predecessor to everything that we've built. And, and one thing that I said though, and we consciously, I remember, I remember Karen and I talking about this. If we're going to be working 90 or 100 hours a week, we might as well be doing it for ourselves. And that was kind of my, that was my frame of reference. That was my context going into it, thinking that, you know, if I'm going to be a slave to, to something, I might as well do it to myself. And so I thought going into it as a young, you know, entrepreneur, business owner, that that's what business was going to look like. But I quickly realized, and Karen and I have had this saying always, like we were going to make memories over possessions. But what we quickly realized is that you could have both. And I found out early on, and this sounds horrible because I don't really think of people this way, but when you're really growing and scaling, it's really, um, I used to call it stacking bodies. Now um, I've gotten a little bit more, um, I guess, politically correct around it. It's just, you know, finding who's in your life. So um, that's really, that's really kind of what brought us to um, investing and, and figuring it out. And it's really, I think investing for freedom is really about aligning yourself with people. Uh, we're going to get into that. The, you know, I just got done reading the book, Who Not How. Um, mm -hmm which is, you know, hey, you want to grow your business, you want to grow your life. It's not about doing, how are you going to do it? It's who, who can you find to help you do it? I'm curious though, number one, the fact you and Kara got married at 18, 19 and are still married. Kudos. That is, fa that is yeah. fascinating because, you know, in the world we live in today, that is not the norm. I'm more curious though too, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounded like you didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, how were you able to make such... Uh, how are you able to make that leap into the world of your of running your own business at such a young age? You know, I look at a guy like myself. I too did not grow up in an entrepreneurial family. It took me forty two years to make mm -hmm. that leap. How were you able to make it at such a young age? Well, I think it's a couple things. Um, you know, if you read Gino Wickman's um, newer book, you know, he talks about in his mind there's like six core traits of you know, an entrepreneur and some people are born with those six traits and some people are born with a few of them. And, and he really believes that entrepreneurs are born. They're not necessarily made. And I'm not here to say that I agree or disagree with that, but I think I have a lot. I, I mean, I know I have all six of those characteristics as well. And if you're missing a couple, not a big deal. And again, I don't really want to, you know, digress too far into that. 
but as a young entrepreneur, um, I have all those traits and, you know, one of them is risk taking and I'll, I'll never forget this literally Kara and I sitting down and asking ourselves the question at the age of 24, what's the worst case scenario? And to me, it was a very simple question and it was a very simple answer. The worst case scenario is I go back to being a W2 employee working for my current boss or one of his competitors because he may not hire me back. And so I was already kind of living my worst case scenario. And so um, I don't know, I tend to over um, simplify things sometimes. I'm not a very complicated person, but that's just really how um, I thought about it. Um, and it kind of, it, it really got rid of all the fear. And then, like I said, all of a sudden, you know, we wake up one day and you're realizing that you don't have the knowledge and the experience to you know, be an entrepreneur. So then what? I, I'm just an avid student and I still am. I mean, I'm always at masterminds, which is where, you know, you and I met. I'm always trying to get in rooms where people can teach me something that I don't currently know. And so if I could give any piece of advice at all, it's like, don't, don't wait. You don't have to know everything to get started. Just get started. And then it's going to become apparent what you need and where the gaps are and all of that. And sometimes I get a little hesitant offering advice to young entrepreneurs because I'm just kind of like a well, let's just jump in and figure it out as we go, right? And But the reality is, I don't know very many people that had it all figured out before they left either. It's like, you know, you got to just go for it. There's there's an analogy, and I don't know how you know old your audience is, but I had a truck that didn't have power steering. And the reality is when, when you don't have power steering, it's very hard to steer unless you're moving. And the faster you're going, the easier it is to steer when you don't have power steering. So I think about you know, risk in life and entrepreneurship and investing that way, we got to get moving through it in order to course correct. Well, you know, I, that conversation you and Kara had, I think is the one question I posed to myself that allowed me to make that jump. It's what's the worst case scenario. If I fail, there's going to be a health insurance agency that's going to hire me. Like, it's not like I'm going to be homeless out on the street. I'll mm -hmm. go back to doing what I was doing. Yep. And I think that's for most people, that's the truth is the worst case is you'll just go back to what you're doing, which poses the next point. You're already living your worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, well, let's talk about this business. You know, you found yourself on the Inc. 2,500 fastest growing companies. And I li recently listened to one of your podcast episodes on investing for freedom, where you talked about as this business is growing, things are going well. Kara poses this, um, I don't want to say a question, but, Hey, Mike, you know, our kids are growing fast. We're running the business here at some point in the near future. I would love to take a year off. Mm -hmm. And you had to, you, it, that left you in a little predicament of like, great. How are we going to make this happen when you're running a business? And you talked about the concept of expecting the miraculous. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. absolutely loved it. And so if you don't mind go into detail that share that story and where the phrase, the term expecting miracles comes into play. Yeah. Well, it's always easy looking backwards. What's hard is looking forward. So that's why I recorded that podcast because looking backwards, you can see when the miraculous happens in your life. You can see that, you know, many times when amazing things happen in our world, it takes us moving in the right direction. So it's not like you can just sit on your couch and expect miracles to happen, but you know, like mailbox money or whatever, you have to go out and make things um, you know, set things in motion. But the reality is the people that I need, the money that I need, the connections that I need, none of that happens until you start moving through it. And so the reason when I look backwards and I see that, you know, everything that was amazing that happened to me, there's no way I could have planned that out. 
there's no way that I could have seen um, the way that that was going to end. And nine times out of 10, and I have this conversation all the time with people, I'm like, when you look, when you look at your life from 10 years ago, is your life better or is it worse than what you had planned or expected it to be? And most people will say that it's better. Um, and the reality, so even just with future, you know, forward looking planning, a lot of times there's this whole conversation around, you know, one year, five year, 10 year planning. Um, and I think we do need to do that, by the way, because otherwise we're just flying blind. But the reality is, is like keeping ourselves usually, I, I think it was Gary Keller that actually said that we tend to overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five, or maybe it was 10 years. And it's kind of the same principle because really when you start moving through it and you, you're clear on, one of my coaches actually works with me on this a lot. When it's when everything comes back to really our values and what we really expect and want out of life, then everything else kind of tends to come around us. And so when we get too stuck on the practical and not so much the vision and the overarching values and the goals and the outcome and what we want life by design to look like, as Kara said, hey, in 10 years, because that was 2014. And so the year was, um, no, it was 2012. Um, the year was 2022. So she's thinking in terms of life by design, not so much um, you know, hey, I want to have this many businesses and this much cash flow. She just literally set a goal of what she wanted life by design to look like, which was, you know, we started having kids when we were young. I was 21 and she was 20 when Dylan was born. So she had this idea in her head of what she wanted life to look like in 2022. And that was to take a year off to regroup and recalibrate. And, you know, there's there's no way in my mind that I could have seen what exiting that business looked like. So it was truly a miracle and it was, there was a couple things that happened along the way that again, I, one day I got a call from KPMG, one of the biggest accounting firms in the, in the land. I, I think that's their initials. And they're like, Hey, first off, this is not a joke. <laughs> I'm so-and-so from KPMG or whatever. And he said, I've got a multinational $8 billion client that wants to buy your business. And I'm like, this is a joke. And he's like, no, it's not a joke. And anyway, it led us through this process of going through eight months of due diligence. And the deal ended up falling apart, but it set us up to where my partner could actually buy me out. No way I could have planned that. Totally miraculous. And so that's really my, my thinking around it or the point that I was trying to make in that podcast. When we do things in our own strength or we stay where we're comfortable, there's no miraculous in that, but there's also nothing um, supernatural or abnormal. Anybody that does anything great lives in that realm of, of miraculous to some degree and they're expecting it. Well, and I, I think the message I took from that too was when you set a goal, let's, let's use Kara's goal of in 10 years, we're taking a year off. Mm -hmm. it at that moment, you might have no clue how you're going to get there, right? right? You don't have the answer. You don't have the path, but you just got to expect that it's going to happen. And that's, mm -hmm. I will tell you, Mike, you know, since you shared that episode, that's really some, an area of uh, mindset that I've tried to apply to my business is setting big, hairy, audacious goals, but going, you know what, today, I actually have no clue how I'm going to get there, mm -hmm. but I'm going to get there. I'll figure it out. Something's yep. going to happen and I'm going to figure it out. So I want to thank you for that. Now let's talk about, so that was your business. You sold it, you exited it. You get, you know, the, the, the miraculous as some people might view it happened mm -hmm. to you. And so here you are today, partner of four peaks, capital partners, you're a partner with uh, park place communities. What you're doing today is you're really helping investors have their money work harder for them. Mm-hmm. And so let's just start, honestly, before we get into some questions around financial freedom, investing for your freedom and all that stuff, use this as an opportunity to share us with a little bit about what you guys are doing at Four Peaks and Park Place. Yeah. So essentially, 
And and if I could give you a little bit of background, I actually the the very first client that I had when I started my first company, Plumline, in two thousand four, um, it was a uh, it it was a guy. His name was Mike Gleason, and I still talk to him today. This guy bought a ranch um, that was like thirty miles from from town where I lived, and and I got a call. Um, somebody that I knew had connected us together, and so I went out to his ranch. And I met him and he was a commercial real estate developer slash syndicator, which is the term we use, um, out of Vegas. And this guy had like, I want to say 25 million square feet of commercial um, space under, under management that he had syndicated. And so I really got to know this guy over time. And he was watching me along, along the way, Karen and I, um, through a series of events, uh, we had actually hired a coaching company. And I was at an annual planning meeting and, and one of the guys said that, you know, if, if your job or if your business isn't helping you achieve your personal goals, you just own a job. And so Karen and I set a goal to buy two income producing properties a year for 10 years, which we ended up in year one, we bought two. And then in year two, a mobile home park fell in my lap. So I ended up buying that with a bunch of, you know, some mentors helped me along the way. I borrowed the money. It was kind of like a no money down deal. I just sold that um, at quite a profit like two years ago. But anyway, long story short, Karen and I are investing in real estate along the way because in my mind, I'm thinking that my business was about paying for my lifestyle and getting what I wanted and spinning off capital. But then I was going to invest in real estate, which was going to help me create wealth over time. As I'm talking with Mike Gleason through this process um, over the course of you know 10 years of knowing this guy, he's kept mentioning like syndicating and bringing partners in. He told me several times, he's like, hey, you need to stop doing these little deals and and go get some investors together. I wasn't really paying attention, right? Because when we're focused on our business and growing what we know, we just kind of stay in that lane. But, um, and this is another miraculous thing. This is the way that life works for you. But when I exited my business, I was like, I've often said it was the best and worst day of my life, actually, because I'm 34 years old. I'm essentially retired. And I, not even essentially, I was because between the real estate that I had and my exit, you know, I could have lived a great life just off my investments, but I also lost my purpose. And so I've often said that was the best and worst day of my life. And I was looking for something else. And then, you know, I ran into Mike Gleason and he's like, you should really look into syndication. And he, he sent me to, um, I can't remember the attorney's name, but I got a book. I bought a $300 book that was like all about how you do syndication. And I'll never forget reading through that. And then um, I was talking to Tyler Gunter, who's my CEO now at Park Place Communities. And he said, hey, I know you're interested in syndication. And he sent me, he screenshotted this little banner that was the real estate guys. And it said, secrets of successful syndication, like January 27th through the 29th or whatever. And I'm like looking and it's like January 19th and this thing's in Phoenix. And I was like, I went and told Kara, I said, I have to go to this because somebody, you know, syndication has been rattling in the back of my mind for 10 or 12 years or whatever the timeline was. And I just knew I had to go all in on that. And so I went to that event joined the mastermind. And that's when I really started realizing that. Um, and really, it's more about the why for me. But that's when I realized that this is what I wanted to do, not just keep buying properties for myself, but I wanted to create an investment company where investors could come alongside of us and and invest with us. And so that's what we did. And through that mastermind, I ended up meeting my business partner. And, and we've gone on to buy 35 mobile home park communities. Um, we're not currently in acquisition mode right now. We're just kind of in stabilization mode. We're setting a whole bunch of houses and just getting these communities turned around that we've bought along the way. But I have started branching out. Um, you know, we're, we've launched a fund to do um, 
some luxury vacation rentals and we're in the middle of a process of um, going back to buying HVAC companies and businesses that spin off capital like like they would with real estate. So that's just some of the things that we offer. But I think it's important to really, you know, again, go backwards and show the progression and how that came to be because, you know, syndicating and what we do is one thing, but, you know, just kind of looking at the process and how it came to be is so much more important. And at the end of the day, I think it's so much more fun doing business with other people and and sharing in the wealth. So that's kind of why we do what we do. Well, and I want you to share this because, you know, I'm hearing your story and I've no, I've heard you share it a couple of times. You grew up in a family, again, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys weren't wealthy. You, you just no. said it at the beginning of the podcast, your dad was kind of a mess. How does somebody like you who grows up, because I think a lot of people believe that people who, who are wealthy today grew up in wealth. And we know that's just not the case. There's plenty of case studies out there where people grew up with nothing and they're fantastically wealthy today. And you've had a ton of success financially. If you were to go back and look at, okay, from your upbringing to where you are today, what would be some, some uh, main themes, some principles that you think apply to your life that have allowed you to get to the point you are today where you are living the life of what we term as financial freedom? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a couple things, um, and I said this earlier in the podcast, but I think, you know, I think a lot of times we can learn as much from negative examples as we can positive, right? That'll, that'll motivate, you know, you're hundred percent right. My family had nothing. I mean, I going to McDonald's like every, you know, three or four months was a treat for me. I remember as a little guy, like going and getting that little Lego kit, like that was, I mean, that was like the highlight of, of some of my childhood. And, you know, literally I remember coming across the the border with my real dad in the, the trunk of the car because he was an illegal alien. And I remember living in, you know, F- uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area, my parents picking oranges. And I remember the, you know, the immigration would come and my dad would take off running. And so would a bunch of the other guys. And my mom was actually born in Idaho. She's hundred percent, you know, white Caucasian from America, like she's Idaho. And, um, so, you know, she'd stand behind, she'd stay back with all the kids. And so that's the kind of upbringing that I had, but also, like you said, my dad was, you know, he was a drunk, he was an alcoholic, couldn't keep a job down, drug addict. Uh, My memories of my dad are like him coming in and out of my life. And I didn't know why, but anyway, I think, I think the negative times can show us as much about what we don't want as what we do. And so even that point that you made about, you know, a lot of people think that, anybody who's wealthy grew up in it, but there's statistics that show the opposite. Usually that second and third generation, extreme wealth rarely lasts more than three generations. There's entire books written on it. It's really hard to preserve that wealth because it's usually that first generation person, whether it's an immigrant or somebody who came out of you know, drug addiction or whatever, it's usually that first uh, generation people that go and fight and get that. And then it slowly starts to diminish because of the lack of skill sets. And so, you know, a couple of things just to answer the question. I think that, um, and it took me a while to put this into words, but I'm a relationship guy. Um, you know, even from the time I was little, I, you know, just made friends everywhere I went. And, you know, I, I think that's probably one of the most important skill sets that anybody could have. Because again, as I, I think I said this earlier, but on the other side of everything we need is a person. And so many people think about leverage, and I don't want this to sound bad, but so many people think about leverage when it comes to real estate or running a business or whatever. But really when we think about leveraging other people's talents and skill sets and abilities, um, that's the best thing that we can possibly learn in life because you have a gift and a skill set that I need and, and it reciprocates. It's not me taking advantage of that skill set. It's us coming together. Kara and I say this, we run a couples mastermind and we say this oftentimes when two couples, when two people that are a couple are aligned, I literally believe, and I know this is a head bender and it doesn't make any sense, but one plus one can equal a hundred. When we're aligned around something, 
there's no limit to what two people that are aligned and not just in marriage, but in business and in investing in partnerships, whatever. One of my mentors always says, if two partners have the same strength, one of them's not needed. And that's the example behind that. And so I would say that that's probably one of the greatest things, you know, growing up with not a lot in my life, I realized that, you know, I'd have to figure out, I'm going to, I'm going to have to figure out, and this is what underdogs do. They, they figure out how to get more done with less. So that's probably what, uh, what advice would you give an entrepreneur right now who is going it alone, right? Grinding away and they know they need help. They know they need to seek a coach or a mentor. Where do they get started? Well, I think it's really, um, and this is probably the hardest part for us. It's, it's looking internally and, and you know, what is, what am I really, really missing? Um, and I just went through this recently. I, like I was sitting here thinking that cause my, when I moved to Austin, my assistant quit, um, and so I've been thinking that what I was missing was an executive assistant, but really I finally got a good executive assistant through a firm that's, you know, it's like 20 hours a week. And she told me, she said, I don't think what you really need is an executive assistant. You're missing a couple key, you know, people in your organization. So I was trying to, I was trying to like put everything onto an executive assistant when really I needed to hire a content manager and I need to have a couple, like an investor relations person. And so to answer your question directly, I think the first thing that we need to do is get really clear on on what we enjoy doing, what we're good at, and then also what we don't enjoy doing and what we're not good at, and then go find the help. Because I think a lot of times we go looking for coaches, mentors, employees, partners, whatever, and we're just looking for somebody to just, you know, kind of take the stress off of us. And the reality is you're not going to take stress off of you if you don't get really clear on exactly what it is you need. Um, especially entrepreneurs, our heads are in the cloud half the time. We're visionaries. Um, we're just looking for somebody to solve all of our problems. Hey, look, if you can just take three, three things off my plate every single day, you're going to be fine and you won't get fired. Well, that's not a good approach because we're setting people up for failure. So step number one is get really, really clear on what it is you need. And that's the same with a coach or an employer or whatever, because no coach can help you if you don't know exactly what it is you're needing. You know, I just did this exercise. Um, I was reading a book, uh, Big Money Energy, which is written by Ryan Serhant, and he talks about having your own personal roundtable, your your own mm -hmm. mastermind. And these 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 can be people you've never met. And I spend a lot of time every morning, Mike, uh, early in the morning, watching some YouTube videos. I think YouTube is a great way to learn, right? It's it's a, a free library of content. It's a master's degree if you use it well, right? Mm -hmm. That we couldn't get 10, 20 years ago. And so I really looked at different areas of my life and who are like who are those mentors? Who are those experts in each area? that I can learn from. And again, these, these can be people you've never met. They could be people who are dead. Um, but there's people you can, you can learn from to become better in that one specific area. So let's shift now because let's talk about where your expertise lies, making money, investing money, living the life of financial freedom. If somebody is listening right now, you know, these last two years have been hard on a lot of people, Mike. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also a chance though, for a lot of people to reset. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, you hear people saying, Moving forward, this is a chance for a lot of people to make money, mm -hmm. and it's not just reserved for a specific few. If somebody is sitting here today going, Mike, you know, I'm barely scraping by, um, I don't like my job, whatever that is, but they want to take that first step to going, what do I need to do to start heading down the path to more financial freedom? Where can they start? You know, the easiest, I, I, the, and I don't want to oversimplify it, but go read The Richest Man in Babylon and read it again and read it again and read it again. I think self-education is where you need to start because I think a lot of times people want, you know, the, the slow 
uh, the silver bullet, the, the, the easy victory or whatever. And true financial freedom is a slow growth process. It doesn't mean that you can't accelerate it, but I don't know if it was on camera or off camera, but we were talking about just kind of like the way that I think about it. And in my mind, um, our businesses create liquidity, meaning cash, right? And then we take that cash or that liquidity and we put it into assets and then assets generate wealth. And even when it comes to real estate, I'm a huge real estate fan. And by the way, I did a lot of early deals with no money. I didn't have anything to my name. All I had was my reputation. One of my mentors talks about character, collateral, and credit. And everybody thinks that um, you know credit is the most important thing. And it is when it comes to traditional financing. There's this score that you know traditional credit has given us. But when it comes to the business and the marketplace and being able to get your hands on cash flowing assets, uh, what my mentor said, character, collateral, and credit, credit is the third part of it. Your character is most important. Do what you say you're going to do, character. And then collateral, the more collateral that you have, which is the ability to pay something back, the better it's going to go. But anyway, um, so back to back to real estate real quick. I love real estate and you can get real estate, no money down, but there's like kind of like this lie that's happening right now where uh, there's a whole bunch of gurus that are, um, you know, teaching that, real estate or side hustles or whatever are going to get you rich quickly. And the reality is that's just not true. So you were talking about the person that's frustrated. They're in a W2 job. They're not happy. I think the first thing we have to really, and it goes back to the same thing I was saying before, like, what do you really want? And there's this simple process that I'm kind of always going through, checking back in with myself. What do I really want? Why do I want it? What am I going to do to get it? Measure results and then adjust. And what most people do is they start moving into what am I going to do to get it? They don't really know exactly what they want. They don't know why they want it, but I'm just going to go buy a real estate uh, house because I saw it on a infomercial or somebody on YouTube inspired me. And so I'm just going to go get into it. That's the middle part of it because at the end of the day, it's still just another product. Real estate is a product. Just like you know, your coaching is a product. If somebody wants to go out and create a course, it's a product. So anything that we would do to make money, even if it's us, as a person, it's still just a product. Even if it's just speaking or creating a course or a mastermind or whatever, that is the product. The most important thing to figure out is what do you value? Just like Kara's question, in 12, in 12 years or in 10 years, I want to take a year off. Well, what I realized was that my only source of income, my business, I was not going to be able to take a year off because my business partner, number one, the way that he thinks about things, he wouldn't have allowed me or it wouldn't have been a happy relationship, me taking a year off while he's you know, back managing the business. And I even approached him after this and I said, hey, I think we should think about hiring a general manager because I was the general manager and that didn't work out very well. He's like, well, if we have a general manager, what are you going to do? Um, so it's just that level of thinking, right? But to answer your question directly, education, figuring out you know, what is it that they really actually want. And then understanding too, that there is no magic bullet. It's going to take time to get there. But the faster you get started, the more that's going to start compounding. And you're a financial guy you know, coming from the insurance industry and all that. Um, it starts stacking. It's kind of like the one thing concept and the energy around that. You know, once you just keep doing the right thing over and over and over, and we create that, you know, the business that creates liquidity, it could be writing a book. It could be a PDF. It could be a course, whatever it is, the more you start creating additional, because the thing is, is like our W2 job, the reason why we're so frustrated and can't get ahead is because our expenses always rise to our level of income within our W2 world. And plus the government secretly, but you know, most people don't even realize this. The government's taken a third of it right off the top. That's the worst. Another great book is the Cash Flow Quadrant by Kiyosaki. From the time I read that, it just got, it, it got me thinking about things through a different lens. So um, use your W2 
to pay your current bills, try to keep your spending under control, and then whatever additional income you can make, keep investing that. And that's why I bring it back to the richest man in Babylon. If you just read that over and over and over and applied those principles, you will be successful. Well, and I love that you said that, Mike. It goes back to what we've been talking about with YouTube content and all that stuff. I, I think nobody has, ex there's no excuses anymore. None. Right. It's if you want to change your results, you got to change what you're doing. And there's so much that's at your fingertips. It's free on YouTube. Books cost 20, 15, $20. Like anybody can start taking the right steps towards self-education. So I love that you said that. One more question I want you to answer on this because, you know, it's something Amy and I have really started um, trying to, again, be, be a better student of is multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. You know, let's face it today. Most people have their W-2. And then they've got one source of retirement, their 401k. Yep. Talk about what multiple streams of income have meant to your life and why it's so important you should strive to have them. Well, even just, you know, and this is recent for, for probably most people, because I, I think a lot of people would think that, um, you know, the more successful you get, the more prone you are to something like COVID. And the reality is every single one of my streams of income got hit for a few minutes during COVID. Some of them skyrocketed. Some of them went away um, by choice. Uh, you know, we had to make some tough decisions just like everybody else did. But what people don't see from the outside, you know, they just think that, you know, when you're, when you have a successful business that, you know, that's usually a successful business owner has multiple streams because, and, it, and again, and I don't mean to beat this concept to death, but if you take your business, which is spinning off capital and you invest that in assets, those assets create those other streams of income. And then that's where wealth is created. So the importance of having multiple streams is, and you could hear this story over and over and over, people who lost their job, people who couldn't pay their rent, people whose cars were taken. They're, the importance of it is, is having the flexibility to, to be able to do other things. And sometimes it's even by choice. I've never had a car repossessed. I've never had, you know, I've never been bankrupt. I've never, I've never even been sued other than like one time when I had the plumbing and HVAC company there was a furnace that went bad and it was just a bad installation. And so it was like a $9,000 settlement. That's the extent of like me being sued. And it's because, so the reason why I like bring that up too is it, you know, people think about multiple streams of income just from the perspective of what if something happens and you should think about that. But also I look at it from, again, investing for freedom. Um, I look at it from the standpoint of the more streams of income that I have coming in, the more choices I have. And even if I get bored or tired or frustrated I can decide to shut down a stream of income because it's no longer serving me or sell it or whatever. Um, but more streams of income means more choices. Well, and, and, and the, the beauty of that too, I think a lot of people, when they hear multiple streams of income, they think they have to be actively involved with all of them, but passive income is a big part of that equation. Letting money make money for you while you sleep without having to do a whole lot because you're investing in the right assets. And so I appreciate you bringing that up because I think the, a lot of people that I talk to today have this view, especially right now with as much um, divide <laughs> that we have. People think the wealthier, only the rich are getting richer and I don't have the same resources. And, you know, I just got my one job, my one retirement plan. But again, this is a reset for a lot of people. And this is a chance for a lot of people to get wealthy if they make the right choices. But it's going back to what you said, Mike, got to put the work in. Mm -hmm. One's lucky. You see that the people you think are lucky have set themselves up for that perceived luck. Yeah. And so before we wrap up, I know you got to run, I'm going to throw an absolute curveball in here. Cause you brought up your, uh, care, you and Kara run a, a couple of mastermind and relationships 
are also a very important part part of living a life of balance. So I'm going to give you an opportunity just to talk about your masterminds. What's it? What's it all about? Who's a good fit? It's a great chance to advertise what you're doing. Yeah, it, you know what? Of all the things that we're currently working on, this is by far my favorite. Um, and I think it's just because Karen and I have put so much time and energy and effort into um, our relationship and marriage, and we've learned a lot along the way. Um, so who's it for? Um, we've literally said, so number one, we're not marriage counselors. We're not trying to save people's marriages, any of that. If you need a marriage counselor, definitely not for you. Um, you know, if you're not aligned as a couple um, around business, investing, but also keeping the family in line and, and whole, then I don't know it's for you. Um, what we're looking for is couples, and this is exactly how we said it, high-performing couples who are, you know, would consider themselves sevens or eights, and they want to get their relationship, their business, their investing to an eight, nine, or 10. Um, it's primarily relationship-focused, but these are entrepreneurial couples who are, and I wouldn't even say, this is one thing that we didn't realize going into it, but we've got a couple of couples that are W2 couples that are wanting to launch. And that's been a huge success too. So if you're wanting more out of life and you want to, a lot of times one of the partners is in the front seat and the other one feels like they're in the back seat of a rocket ship. One of them's driving and the other one's in the back seat. And, and we go through seasons where sometimes that has to happen. I mean, when the kids were younger, Kara was a stay at home mom. That's what she wanted to do. Um, that's what she loved doing. And our children are amazing because of it. But a lot of times she felt disconnected and separated. And so we created this to get the couples aligned and help get them to the next level. Well, and most people don't know your son, Dylan, is a world-ranked uh, wake surfer, which we had the chance to learn from from uh, from him a couple weeks ago, which, by the way, was totally embarrassing on my end. I was a <laughs> failure at that. But it was good to get outside your comfort zone. And, and, and your masterminds, Mike, aren't – it's not like you guys are meeting in the back of a hotel room. You guys are taking some pretty cool trips. Yeah. So the, there's two trips a year with the mastermind. The first one is kind of a transformation weekend. So we always do it in the, like toward the end of January. Um, it total, again, it's a connection and transformation weekend. So we bring the couples in, we always do a really high end Airbnb. Um, we did like a dream date dinner last year. We have a couple of events that we do throughout the course of the weekend, but really that first weekend is all about deep work transformation and kind of setting the stage for the year. And then we go through, you know, monthly zoom calls. We have speakers come in, um, some of the best marriage coaches and speakers that, you know, Karen and I have access to. And then September, we always do what we call a bucket list trip. And most high-performing couples, you know, we're so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. There's so many couples out there that I've heard say, man, it would just be so amazing to take a couple's trip together. And so we kind of facilitate and create a couple's trip where we get to take that bucket list dream trip with other couples. And it's just been huge watching the transformation in these um, couples over time. So it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, to wrap up, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, whether it's to talk about your coaching, uh, mm -hmm. your investing, your real estate investing that you're involved in, or the couple's mastermind, what would be the best way to get a hold of you? Probably. Um, so either I'm actually just going to simplify this. Just text me at 480-531-7519 and we can just have a conversation there. I'm, I'm available. And, awesome. Um, just tell me what you're interested in and we'll, we'll just chat about it. What a great way to wrap up. You have kept things simple your whole life, Mike, and that was a very simple way to get in touch with you. So, hey, Mike, I want to thank you. If you're listening into this episode, um, I wanted to have Mike on because this man – 
knows how to make money, invest it, and make it work for him. And we're at a point right now in this crisis, this pandemic, where uh, you can sit and look at it as a huge negative. You can fear the loss of money, your job, whatever it might be, but it's also a chance to uh, create a lot of generational wealth, probably in ways we hadn't ha didn't have the opportunity to do just a few years ago. So, Mike, I want to thank you one more time for coming on. This was excellent, and I'm sure everybody who's listening in learned a ton about investing. So, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is uh, this is this is why we do what we do. Just share share the wealth. Awesome. And if you're listening, you know what happens when you get that clarity, you get that confidence. Massive action happens, and it's followed up with massive success. So, go make it happen today. Hey, thank you for taking the time to listen to this Friday bullpen session. If you are enjoying these episodes, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple, subscribe, give it a five-star rating. And if you know of anybody in your life, whether it's in your family, personal life, your friends, business colleagues that you think would find benefit in listening to these episodes as well, do me a favor. Please share the bullpen sessions with them. I'd be extremely grateful if you did. And again, go out and make it happen today. Thank you.